0: coming don't get him wet. keep him out of the bright light and never feed him after midnight this is slashers a podcast about movies and more for those who love horror my name is jake and with me for the first time exclusively without any other people vying for my attention and affection is jim jimothy jim jim turn my good friend pal and confidant how are you this evening sir i'm good why don't you say hello to all the mutant goons from beyond because you're stepping into brian's shoes you have to do this now hello mutant goons from beyond yeah there we go lately he's been really ornery with the audience it's crazy (laughs) he's that bad boy a little james dean action going on there rebel without a cause but with a thick old dick and a beard right at least one of those yeah (laughs) there we go so we are doing gremlins this week which Jesus Christ, there's so much great content out there about this film. Like It's one of those ones where, I mean, we've talked about this, the conundrum of the show. If we do movies that are already great, there's already so much stuff out there that's like hard to compete with. And if you do things that are too obscure, people are like, well, fuck that. I'm not going to go. Like The pinnacle for me is Mr. Vampire. I can't justify spending 50 bucks to get a Blu-ray of it. So here's open challenge. If you're a fan of this show, you send us a fucking copy of Mr. Vampire on Blu-ray or I will make an episode of this show and you will be a guest. I guarantee it. But it will not be on Mr. Vampire because nobody can fucking find it. That's my diet drive. So on this one, you know. It's such a tease too because every time we try to find it, there's
1: something that looks like it and it's some other, like a remake or yep. number two, but
0: it's called number one. Drives me fucking crazy. And I can't tell the difference because I don't know what the fuck it's about anyway. Yeah, the last two times I went on eBay and tried to find it, I ended up using, you know, Google's translator, which is developed from WordLens, where I just look and make it translate and go, oh, well, I know this is wrong. You've clearly mislabeled this product to try and extort me for money. I don't appreciate it.
1: And the the only one on YouTube labeled or called Mr.
0: Vampire, is not Mr. Vampire. It is not. The third one, if I'm not mistaken. Right. So, yeah, that's an open challenge. But my point is, this movie is great. It is hugely popular. And so, one of the things I really wanted to touch on was fan films and other things. Now, Jim, you've never seen the sequel to this, right? I don't believe so. So, that actually benefits this episode and our listeners because I actually like the second one more than the first. And a lot of people would think that's blasphemy. It's not like a huge margin. It's not like a country mile or anything like that. I just, several factors go into it. One of which is the holiday theme. When Christmas movies, I mean, I I could watch Independence Day with Will Smith, William Esquire Smith on any day. But Christmas movies, for some reason, I can't watch outside of like the winter season. Is that weird? No, it's not weird. Yeah, like uh, Batman Returns. I watched that probably one one trillionth the amount of times I've seen Batman 89 because it's got the Christmas theme. So even though I was a big Batman nerd, couldn't do it.
1: I think there's like a feeling that just holiday movies just have. Yeah.
0: Like no matter what. It could be a small part of the movie. It just kind of sets a tone. I truly think I've seen Die Hard with a Vengeance probably more times than Die Hard because I only watch Die Hard Christmas times. Right. So my point being, do you find the Christmas theme distracting in this film at all? There's a little. Yeah. Because it's, it's super heavy. It, I mean, it's so
1: integral to... Oh, I mean, well, it's not really integral. It's just there over everything.
0: Yeah, and then there's the weird monologue that Kate gives, which I think is just... I think that's probably one of the best moments of the movie, and it's got some weird history with it, so we'll get into that. But yeah, so in terms of other Gremlins media, Gremlin is a word that comes from Gremmen, which is to vex. Did you know that? I did not. Now. Raul, Dahl, Raouled, Rol-d, how Dahl, the guy who did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the big fucking giant, he had done a book called The Gremlins in 1943, which was almost a Disney film. You know what else was almost a Disney film? The Beastmaster. I shit you not. Don Cascarelli talks about it in his book, and it's awesome that he tried to market it to Disney. I honestly kind of sad it never happened. Wasn't that a TV show? It was three movies and a TV show, yeah. Okay. I, he, I don't I haven't seen any of the movies, so he only did the first movie and he had like in his book he details just the amount of shit he had to go through to make that movie. Yeah, God, I I cringe listening to it. The dude so there's a guy who was like, you know, meddling with all of his affairs. That guy had three assistants who got fired throughout the course of the movie, so that tells you that like it was just shenanigans. But that's uh, this isn't the Ton Cascarelli show, although you should definitely read that book. In 1943, there was a WB cartoon where Bugs Bunny, it was called Falling Hair, and he faces off against gremlins that are trying to crash planes, almost exactly like Mr. Futterman says. Dun, dun, duh. And so have you ever seen the original Twilight Zone episode with Willie Schatz, as I call him? There's something on the wing. No, I haven't. I've seen a few episodes, but really not since I was like... Basically, it looks like an Eskimo. And they said it was a Gremlin. And so in the 80s version of the Twilight Zone movie, John Lithgow actually does that scene. And it's like this really fun Gremlin. I highly recommend. That's actually my favorite of the Twilight Zones that were redone. Lithgow was just fucking chewing the scenery like it's going out of style in that one. But there are some of your more classical references to Gremlins. Did you know that there was an Atari 2600 and 5200 video game for Gremlins? Oh,
1: no. They're bad. I played
0: an Atari once in my life. Real bad, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think I was probably, I was like a teenager too, so. yeah, I was used to at least PlayStation N64, maybe PS2 at the time. Probably PS2 at the time. But we were at a hotel in Lake Tahoe. No. And they had Ataris, and you can go up to the desk and like check out games. Oh, man.
0: You were like, why the fuck not ruin my life? I had a friend when I was visiting my grandma who had one. And we were like, oh, this is going to be so cool. We're going to be like retro gamers. We're like nine. God, it was a mistake. Yeah. (laughs) Nothing worked. Every controller we tried was broken. Every game didn't work. We're like, what is this? Right. I I remember having a lot of problems, probably because, you know,
1: these cartridges or whatever had been handled by billions of kids and they're not, you can't get new ones. Exactly.
0: And also, you know, I'm sure you had people blowing in the cartridges and alcohol swabs and shit.
1: Not supposed to blow in them, even through your
0: shirt not a good custom and practice there was also a text-based game in 1985 guess what also terrible why would you have a very frenetic movie turned into a scrolling text game but i move on it seems kind of backwards it does now there is a project currently in the works called gremlin secret of mogwai it's kind of a weird looking thing but it looks to be an animated thing focused on gizmo which i think is honestly kind of a shock that that hasn't happened sooner I think that if animation was as good then as it is now, and you could do like... I mean, think about how often you're watching like computer animated kids shows on TV. You could do that then. I mean, there's no question in my mind it would have been made. Right. So it's a TV show then? It looks like it, yeah. It's kind of weird to bring back. Like I mean, when was the last time anything Gremlins was ever made? 1990 with Joe Dante when he did New Batch. There's also been a ton of like fan films. So the most recent one that I saw was Gremlins Recall. Which basically, if you know your history of gremlins, Mr. Wing is the old Chinese man. And based on his name, there is a company called Wing, and they're marketing the fact that they can make you a safe Mogwai. They can go in the light, that you can feed, you can get wet, doesn't matter. Well, it's called Recall because there's a guy who's basically like a dog catcher who's trying to catch the ones that are defective. <laughs> And it sets up like its own idea for a sequel. It's a great tease. It's, it's a lot of fun. The animation stuff's cool. That's kind of cool. That's a cool idea. I liked it a lot. It reminded me of like what the new child's play did to the old child's play. Like brought in a 21st century capitalism. It had a very Paul Verhoeven kind of feel to it. It was like Robocop, Starship Troopers. It was like very sardonic towards the modern, you know, capitalist regime. Right. The dad, I mean, kind of set that up anyways. Yep, exactly. Yeah, like He's movie. a peddler. Right. But it's like a different breed, right? Like he kinda has like the snake oil salesman thing going, whereas this movie was like, Oh, it's the conglomeration that's evil. So I didn't get the snake oil
1: thing from it. I felt more like kind of like he's like a lovable, like goofy like creator type guy where like he loves to create. Yeah. He's not trying to like con people. He just he loves creating more than his like creativity or
0: his ability to actually make them. His ambition out yeah. exceeds his ability, yeah. Well, I mean, I think that you look at every time he has an opportunity to sell something, he does. Like when he's calling from the gas station to see if his family's okay, he immediately goes into salesman mode to sell that ashtray, which is awesome. Oh, smokeless ashtray! <laughs> There's also Gremlins Back in Action, which has a really fun Gremlins first person view at one point. Could have been trimmed for time. Gonna say that used some footage, which was fine. But I really like the ending, which sets up that there could be more, which I thought was fun. Clearly, a student film, and clearly they just use pre made gremlins. But basically, it's a kid who's at home alone and a gremlin pursues him. The kid kills the one gremlin and knocks at the door. He goes, and then you see the back of a bunch of gremlins' heads that are like chuckling and like laughing to themselves. <laughs> I also saw Gremlins 2 film break, which is awesome. Sasha Finer, wherever you are, I will kiss you on the mouth. It is this bizarre, bizarre thing where basically it's gremlins instead of like tearing through the film like they do in the other movies, they're actually using a DVD menu and putting the gremlins in other movies so it goes into The Exorcist, Batman, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Goonies, and the Beast from 20,000 Fathoms so so fun, it's like 10 minutes of your life, it's great. For instance the Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know when there's all the snakes in the pit and Indy's like, fuck this they replace all the snakes with gremlins and they're having a party. <laughs> it's so good. With the Batman one, it, they replace the... Cl- Technically, it's Batman Returns. because They replace the clowns that are attacking him with gremlins. They're punching it, trying to get in. and He literally is punching a gremlin in the face, which I thought was really well done. There's gremlins, a Christmas nightmare, which was so bad I couldn't finish it. There was got gremlins, which was kind of pointless because basically it just reiterated a couple of visual gags from the movie. And then there's the voiceover from the end. Gremlins Three, This Time is War. There are so many fan films. It's amazing. And yeah, and honestly, like they're not terrible. Like I think the people they have ambition. The only thing that frustrates me is so often people aren't creating anything new, which is what I liked about Recall. I actually got to see the behind the scenes featurette whether they're making the puppets and everything. I'm I'm gonna root for that more than something that store bought. But you know, I've also seen the stupid Friday the Thirteenth fan films where somebody pre makes some shit and then just puts it on because they want to be ooh. Right. Honestly, the word fan film frustrates me because I don't know if it should be called homework project. Yeah. Q, Q you know, can they... laughter. Ha ha ha. Ha, ha 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 Now, in terms of fan films, what would you call it if a major studio did a fan film? Would you call that a ripoff? Yeah. So, shall I go through the many Gremlins ripoffs there have been over the years? We got Ghoulies from 1984, Ghoulies 2 in 1987, Ghoulies Go to College 1990, then Ghoulies 4. See how they skipped that? I hate that title. Why? Well, it came out the same year. Hmm? The first one. The first one isn't as one for one remake or whatever. The first one really deals with like Satanism and whatnot. So it's, I honestly don't think ghoulies are that big of a ripoff. They become bigger characters in the sequel. In the first one, it's like a plot. And then the ghoulies just kind of there. If that makes sense. Then you have Critters 1 through 4. You got Munchies and Munchie Strikes Back. You got Hobgoblins and Hobgoblins 2, Beasties, Elves. And then I have always purported that the minions from Despicable Me are basically just Gremlins. And then obviously the Gingerbread Men from Krampus are basically just Gremlins. But I take it you haven't seen any of these. No. For good reason, because most of them are bad. But I mean, Critters has its charms. Ghoulies has its charms. You know, Elves even kind of to an extent has its charms. I've only I've only even heard of critters. You haven't heard of Ghoulies? No. So Ghoulies when if you've watched your Stranger Things, the title credits for Ghoulies is actually what the Stranger Things logo basically just ripped it off. So when I remember uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, That's vexing, isn't it? You're pulling up the difference. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the font, the red, the Well the even I mean, even the
1: the creature itself looks familiar.
0: The one the is it the toilet image?
1: Yeah. So <laughs> it looks like from the Super Mario Brothers movie.
0: Oh, the Koopas. The Koopas. Hell yeah, it does. <laughs> the other ones, I like that they're diverse. It's interesting that there's you know one that's more like a rat and everything. There's a cat kind of one. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it. If you fans out there would like us to do a review of it, I'm interested. So just let us know. Slasherspot at gmail.com and blah, de blah, blah. Now, the original PG-13. Did you know that there was a time in the MPAA where it was G or it was X? This I guess of PG and X, but this movie and Raiders of the Law, Lo- or excuse me, Temple of Doom are the two movies that inspired the PG 13 rating. Because this movie was it was marketed kind of to kids, and it obviously has some kind of vexing violence, like when you get to the the microwave scene, for instance. Right. And then Temple of Doom, they rip out a still beating heart. Now those movies weren't severe enough to be at x or r rating but they were way beyond what a child should be watching so these were very influential in the creation of pg-13
1: interesting it's always funny to see older movies and how it's changed the rating
0: system so weird right because we did one recently where i was like god you cannot explain to me how that is." oh phantoms we recently did phantoms that you were on that movie is not an r-rated movie at all i've seen way worse on tv right yeah but i digress Now, can I go on a weird diatribe before we get into the movie on the Gremlins rides that Warner Brothers made? Please do. Now, neither of these rides are still operational. Now, there was a WB theme park on the Gold Coast of Australia called Movie World that opened in 1991. They had what was called the Gremlin Invasion and a ride called the Great Gremlin Adventure. Now, if you were going to pair up the Gremlins with any Warner Brothers property, what would it be? Would it be Beetlejuice? Literally, they pair up the Gremlins with Beetlejuice. And basically, the idea is is that they're in the Warner Brothers back lot, and they're like fucking with the editing equipment and the visual equipment, and Beetlejuice breaks you out, and you escape by crashing through a wall outside. Now, ask me about the German version. (laughs) The what? There is a German version that was duplicated at Movie World Germany. Oh, Yes. So they replace the Beetlejuice with Alf. I'm going to drop that. Alf. Literally the cat-eating alien. It is awesome. There's a vignette at the beginning of it where Alf is chasing a cat and he wants to eat the cat. But it's German Alf. And so he goes, pussy, 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 pussy. (laughs) Sticks his hand under a sink. Gets bitten by a gremlin. They then torture him. He then takes you through the ride. And you electrocute all of the gremlins before escaping. So the Australian one closed down in 2001 when it was replaced with the Scooby-Doo ride. And the German one closed in 2004 when the park was sold. I am so sad I didn't know about these as a kid. I probably would have dragged my parents to Germany so I could hear, Pussy, 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 pussy.
1: So bizarre.
0: Absolutely. I, to think that they... I, okay,
1: 2014 or 2004 was a while ago. Yeah, it's but 15 years ago, brother. that
0: long ago, considering... When this movie when came the movie out, movie came out, yeah, yeah it's twenty year old movie premise by that point. It's nuts, but I mean that shows how like well received and liked the movie still is. And shall we get into the stab statistics for the week? Let's do it. So this movie was shot on a budget of eleven million doll hairs. It was originally supposed to be a much smaller budget, but they ended up expanding it because the puppetry just became crazy. How much do you think it made worldwide? Did it gross $148 million? Oh, yeah, it did, dog. And also, through the video rental game, it made $80 million. Wow. That's nuts. So, I mean, very rarely can you get those kind of analytics that are anywhere reliable, but I was able to find it. The opening weekend was $6,884, which was obviously the same weekend that Ghostbusters came out. And here's the fun fact. This movie made more in its second week than in its first week. And Zach Galligan kind of attributed, that's the guy who plays Billy, attributed that to multiple factors. If you looked at the poster for this film, you see a little present, kids' hands holding it, and then Gizmo's hands coming out. Nothing about that says evil. Nothing about that. Like, maybe mysterious or intriguing, but not scary. So I think the word of mouth was huge for this movie. Yeah, it had to have been. And then one thing that he even talked about was when it came to Gremlins 2, came out against Dick Tracy. That's a a very perfect age group to be frustrated because I remember seeing that at the same time. But it originally would have come out against Bird on a Wire except for some meddling executive was like, oh, these analytics say you want it to be released at this time instead of May, which is when all great blockbusters come out. But whatever. (laughs) I'm only going to sprinkle you a little bit with my Gremlins 2 stuff because you haven't seen it. The runtime on this movie, 106 minutes. Brian says this is way too long. What do you think? I think it was long, yeah. How much would you cut? <laughs> I mean, how cliche would it be to say 10 minutes and put it
1: right in that? That's a sweet lot. spot, nice. though. Yeah. That, but I think there was some pacing issues. I don't know if 10 minutes would. It would probably be enough. But there would just seem to be like, we get to a certain point in the movie, and I'm like, it's just starting to ramp up. Yeah. And, and it was like, wow, this should have ramped up like 15, 20 minutes ago. That's fair. And then it just keeps
0: going. So, yeah. I think 90 minutes is a much better time point. And also, especially if you're trying to market it in any way to kids, kids are dumb and they need that shorter attention span. Right. But one thing that makes me a little reluctant to speed it up is I love the music for this movie. That theme is so good. And I love like the hints of it throughout before it finally blows up when, you know, Mr. Futterman's tractors or plow is about to get them. I mean, it's so good. Well,
1: we could talk about Jerry Goldsmith. Please do. So, Jerry Goldsmith, and I'm. It's going to go off of a very popular page here. Has done pretty much everything. So did pretty much all the Star Trek movies. He did Logan's Run, Planet of the Apes. Alien. Alien, The Mummy, LA Confidential, Air Force One. What has he not done? He did the Rambo movies. Oh, yeah. He did a movie that
0: hopefully we'll do in the future, The 13th Warrior. Uh, we are going to do I, I've been waiting to read that book because we. I've read three books in the interim. So... Don't you get it twisted. And Antonio Banderas is going to be running wild in the slashers because he uses a sword, which is a slashing device. There you go. He's done so much. So about
1: his his score for it is, I feel like, especially nowadays, is that we've moved away from uh, original scores.
0: In a lot of ways, in yeah.
1: So many ways. And it, it takes me out of modern movies when... I, a lot of movies are done great when they throw in like classic song or great songs that just fit so well but i feel like a lot of movies don't they just kind of slap songs on there that are are fast paced or upbeat or, or they try to match something uh, modern music to make it
0: the guardians of the galaxy effect yeah that's a or, good or ex- the tar- or the tarantino
1: effect yeah. i should say yeah that's a good example a great example actually but a lot of movies just don't do it well suicide squad haven't seen it actually. Oh, I haven't seen a, all that. Of was it. a
0: sick burn on my part because that movie sucks. Yeah, and they tried to basically just pay, like rip off the successes of Guardians and it's like noob. But so th- when you watch an old movie like this and you have an actual
1: score that goes with it, it just makes everything fit and feel right. Yeah, it just because it, it's it's hand tailored. It's you
0: know it's like going to get a custom suit or something. Exactly. And also I love a reprise where you you have the theme come back in multiple different ways. It's so fun. And this one, it just, it's mischievous. It's bombastic. It can be played down. It can be played up and it just fits. Like it's a weird, like synesthesia. Like even if I had my eyes closed and I was just listening to the music, I would see the color green and I just feel that scuttling kind of mischief. It's perfect. And I love the fact that this song isn't overly Christmassy. You know like? You could see how it could just basically be a Jingle Bells parody, but it's really good. So shall we get into our good buddy, Chris Columbus? You know who that is? No. Chris Columbus, he is the guy who did The Rocketeer. He did the first Captain America. What do you call it? The first Avenger, which, of course, they ruined by making Captain Marvel the actual Avenger. Ha ha. suckers. <laughs> that pissed me off so bad. He did Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, Nine Months, Stepmom, Bicentennial Man, which is actually quite good. A bunch of the Harry Potter movies. He's doing a Five Nights at the Freddy's movie. Why would you do that? Ugh, gag me with a spoon. But you can see this dude has some serious credentials. And so he wrote this while he was still living in New York City as a film student. And basically, the premise was the rats that were living in his building and made him uncomfortable. So this is before he even did The Goonies. This is before he did, what do you call it? Obviously, one of the greatest films of all time, Christmas with the Cranks. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. So obviously, I have a soft spot for him. Then you talk about the gore factor. And I love the fact this movie was actually toned down because I think that the other one, I think, would have gotten to that point of like people would kind of dismiss it almost like a trauma film. Because originally the dog got eaten, the mom's head gets ripped off and thrown down the stairs at Billy when he gets home. There's some (laughs) stuff in there that I think works better otherwise.
1: That's pretty crazy. So, here's you have one here. There's eight drafts in Gizmo becoming Stripe all the way through the final draft. Yep. So, was there no like
0: lovable Mogwai at all? It was just they're just pure evil. They all turned evil. And it was Steven Spielberg's idea who was like, no, you need to have a good one, you need to have that pillar. And that's the best part, honestly. Like the, I think Gizmo is so integral to this because, think about that movie Evolution, right? All of the aliens are bad. Even that cute fat one that's waddling is bad. Well, you're not rooting for anybody. There's no redeeming qualities in these characters. So you just want to nuke them all. But you like Gizmo. You're rooting for Gizmo. So he adds such a nice element to it, and it, that bastion of of peace and tranquility. And if you read the novelization. The novelization of this movie, while completely bastardizing it, also adds a really fun wrinkle as to, you know, Gizmo, especially when he becomes Rambo, literally Rambo in the second one. In the second movie? Or book. Oh yeah. He uses, he uses a fucking bow and arrow that's got a flaming <laughs> thing of liquid paper on it. It's awesome. Uh I'm gonna have to watch it now. Oh yeah. So did you know that the colorization of the Mogwai is based on Steven Spielberg's dogs? Oh yeah. They look very
1: dog-like. Like Australian Shepherd or something? Not quite.
0: Oh, yeah. There we go. It's Steven Spielberg's King Charles Cavalier Spaniels. It just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Why would I have ever had a brain fart about that? And so, I keep bringing up Steven Spielberg's name because he was the producer on this film and he actually bought the script from Chris Columbus. Now, can I talk to you about it? There's two shared universes that I want to talk about. So director Joe Dante obviously The Howling, right? So there are two reasons why this movie is related to uh, like other universes. The first is the news reporter at the very end is the same actor playing a news reporter as in The Howling. So basically this guy is in the you know the best he's going to be a Pulitzer Prize winning guy be, or Pulitzer prize winning journalist because of this. Then you have and I quote Chinese boy if you go to the credits, and he is obviously short round. He was he is credited as Chinese boy? It literally, if you read the credits, it just says Chinese boy, but he's wearing the Yankees hat. He's fast talking. He's just a teenage version of Short Round. So this movie is in the Indiana Jones universe, and otherwise, what do you think? I'll buy it. Yeah, I don't think many people will. Given the fact that Indiana Jones takes place like fifty years before us. maybe it's short round's <laughs> kid. Maybe short round, smoked too many cigarettes, and he's Mr. Wing. It was short round wing the whole time. Now, the other producer was Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, hey, there she is again. Uh, Awkward. She has done good things. This is one of them, so she's probably still writing the coattails of this as she buttfucks Star Wars. So do you want to know about the original novelization of this? Yeah. It's fucking weird. Did you know that the Mogwai are aliens? No, they were created by a thing called Mogturn men, and the Mogturn men use cross pollination and mix different species of crawling carnivores and created a very quote their vast intelligence to seem to interfere with their ability to communicate. So literally, Gizmo is so smart he can't talk human because he would like blow your fucking mind. So he created these creatures, the Mogturn men created them to be these great examples of living in peace and harmony. Then they were unstable, and that's where you get the rules. But one out of every 10,000 Mogwai are good. So Gizmo is an incredibly slim chance, and he had like master's meditation. At one point, he's frequently reminding himself of the San Francisco earthquake as a means of calming himself down because of the chaos of it, I guess. In the book, you find out this isn't the first time there was a Gremlins outbreak. There was one, I think it's 1942 in China, and that's where he actually meets Mr. Wing, who saves him. The book refers to Asian people as Orientals multiple times. The old Asian man gets his rocks off by making Gizmo eat things that aren't edible, like a plastic washer. Super weird. The Mogwai can talk to each other, but then the Mogturn men had genetically engineered them so they couldn't kill one another, which is why Stripe doesn't kill him. Very interesting. And they also had something to do with the nineteen eighty three Columbia spaceship and the issues on the spacecraft. Super, it's a weird book. Super weird. You can find it online. It's worth reading. It's only three hundred pages. Uh, eh, there's three hundred
1: yeah. pages, I'll read elsewhere.
0: Yeah, exactly. There's a
1: lot of Oh, well, you
0: did say it bastardized the like <laughs> But like you gotta think when these novelizations were happening, the These guys didn't often get the script. They had no visualization because so often they had no idea what was going on in the film. So he's just like, oh, it's a thing. Well, fuck, fine. We'll just go for it. Now, director Joe Dante didn't really like the book. He thought the guy kind of went a little too far. His point was that George Guipe, he tried to use science. He tried to create a pseudo explanation. But according to Joe Dante, the Mogwai were, quote, the results of mating a dragon with a panda it was mysticism to him and science to him. And I think that the mysticism is way cooler to me. Mr. Wing is the coolest. So do you want to kind of get into the design, the Chris Wallace design? So the makeup was done by Chris Wallace
1: and the creature design also. And he said, "Grimms was the most testing project in my entire life. It almost killed me. You can see why. I can't imagine having to make that many unique critters.
0: And he also, he lost count of how many he made. And there are scenes where like, you go to the movie theater where a puppeteer would have one gremlin on its head one on each hand and it would be pivoting like it was a dancing cactus. Crazy, right? <laughs> you said a lot of what you see in the film was literally made up the day before. Yeah, like stripe on the skateboard. They've just figured it out. Funny enough, one of the ones that was really easy for them to do was stripe on the tricycle. Okay. Yeah, that was like fun. Built-in <laughs> training wheel. <laughs> I thought it because it's like it's the very, very
1: climax of the movie. And he's
0: just ready it's so silly. But that's, that's the great part is he's the most evil one and he's still a doofus. Like he still wants candy and he's right. still playing games. So, I mean, this movie is near perfect. And I think that the second one is just slightly nearer to perfecter.
1: So originally the Mogwai were brown and even more furrier. And Steven Spielberg recommended they change the color to be more like gizmo. Which makes sense. You wouldn't, I mean. They're all the same creature.
0: You wouldn't want one
1: looking like a, I don't know, monkey or something.
0: They just looked weird. It looked like they were just dirty. I think probably one of my favorite things that Rick Baker did in taking the reins and doing Gremlins 2. Well, A, he didn't want to do Chris Wallace's work. That was not a consideration for him. But then B, he really had some great ideas. So, spoiler alert, other mogwai come from Gizmo getting wet in the movie, right? And as the other Mogwai, each one has a different personality. You know, there's one that has a mohawk, but it's black and it looks evil. There's one that's just completely daffy. There's one that's kind of slow and dopey. And when they become gremlins, they still retain those elements to them. And just the diversification. They also do some really visual awesome gags when it comes to like cross and like bioengineering and stuff. But that's like the big takeaway. But this is such a good template to go off of. I'll just it's so good. So, we talked about it earlier, but the coloring. Mm-hmm.
1: So, the new Lady and the Tramp live-action movie for mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Awkward. They changed Lady to the King Charles Cavalier Spaniel.
0: Yeah, not a fan. It keeps trying to get me to watch it when I log into it. I'm like, no, I just want to watch the one thing, The Mandalorian, yeah. and that's it. Oh, The I, Simpsons. Oh, yeah, duh. And then I started watching Cargoyles again, too. So, maybe a few things on there. Shall we get into nicknames? nickname? Prick names. Zach Galligan was Billy Peltzer. He described working with the puppets, quote, as an actor's nightmare. You can see that. Yeah. yeah, and so the rules element of the movie was added pretty late in production as well. They didn't originally exist. So when they added the rule of not eating after midnight, even the cast and crew was aware of the time zones joke. But that actually even gets directly made fun of in the sequel. But the point is, is that they just kind of rolled with it, which I thought was very interesting that he was very open to talking about these issues they said that all of gremlins was shot on the soundstage except for one day which was in pasadena they also shot the chinatown stuff in glendale but that obviously didn't have billy in it because it's just his dad but i mean it was super small and focused and everything and he talked about how when he would drive off the lot from warner brothers every day the security guys would make him open his trunk and prove that he hadn't taken a gizmo because those puppets were valued at thirty dollars to $40,000 of 1980s money. That's crazy. Does that blow your mind? Do you know how many they made? Dozens. So here's the interesting fact. Gizmo was never meant to be in the entire movie. Gizmo was only going to be in the beginning because he turns into Stripe. So it's only late in the game. But they take this fucking puppet that was only meant to get halfway through the movie. And they're having to go through everything. And he's having to drive around in a fucking car. And he's having to be toted around in a backpack. He's trying to do all this extra stuff. So they had to get really creative with that. It's a good thing that the Mogwai looked like him because they could just rotate him out. Now, did you know that on that topic, up close shots of gizmo, how big do you think that gizmo is?
1: A, a little bit bigger than your hand?
0: No, dude. The huge? close-ups are about the size of your wingspan. Oh. It's a huge puppet that they would shoot because they could be way more detailed in the animation and everything. And they just scale it in. And I was so grateful to be watching this in HD. Like usually, I don't really care about HD all that much, but this was so rad to see just the attention to detail on that face was so great. Do you have a four K TV? Uh, I think it has that feature. I, I'm not sure. Uh, well, I don't ever. I think I think it does, but I don't think I ever have anything that's in four K. Well, oh, we yeah, have oh, yeah, The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. I yes, it okay. is four K. Yeah, well,
1: because Gremlins. I don't have a four K TV, but when I went to watch it on YouTube, it was like it was like four K. I was like, oh wow, like pretty spiffy crazy for i mean that's the cool thing about film is that yep. you can scale it uh the definition's all
0: there it's awesome yeah. And, yeah and there's so many details to be found in this movie when we get into this lay-by-play i'm just gonna belabor everything this is gonna be a 17-hour fucking episode <laughs> so let's get to the point what would you call billy Peltzer? <laughs> The oh billy from do it no it's okay oh billy <laughs> Oh, that's what he is. And I won't take anything else. You got Phoebe Cates as Kate Behringer. She said that working with the creatures was much more of a challenge. And she had just come out of some movie where she was in a slinky bikini. Don't know if you heard of it, whatever. Uh, so she was like the sex symbol. And Galligan talked about how he and Phoebe Cates would like go out on the town after filming and whatnot. And there'd be these like big brawny dudes who were coming up to her and trying to like flirt with her and like couldn't get anything going because she was just shut them down she was the fast or, times Mizra ridge my high girl like she was way too hot and so like, they would get like scared and it, it's just such a funny <laughs> thing because in that she's like sexy and rad and then in this she's like so quaint and like almost like a bumpkin she's the right. shelly duvall of this she's uh, wendy torrance right so i would i would make a motion to call her shelly duvall but you can call her whatever you'd like <laughs> we can go with that i mean drop the names halfway through anyways yeah, standard custom and practice here. You got a Hoyt accent as Randall Rand Peltzer. He was a country singer before becoming an actor. Oh, yeah. He looks familiar, but I I feel like
1: I'm mixing him up with like I don't know. Does he look like Dan Aykroyd or not? Like yeah, a little okay. bit.
0: Like if you if you fattened him up a bit. Yeah. But Hoyt was also in Tropic Thunder, Encino Man, Forest Gun. Ga- oh, no, excuse me. Whoa! Strike all that. That was a soundtrack that he did for those movies. Weird. That's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> actor he was in trying to think of what it was by this point he'd already been in like 70 things though he did a bunch of tv acting there was something that he acted in oh well if it doesn't come to my mind it doesn't fucking exist so anything we'll just call him dad that's
1: what my notes were because i don't know if they ever even recall him by his name
0: just him calling himself maybe the mom maybe the mom does but i also called her mom so yeah so that was francis lee mccain as Lynn And she said, quote, the Gremlins are actually some of the better actors I've ever worked with. <laughs> She's sarcastic, and I love her. And in the novelization, she dreams about being in the army. Ba-da, ba-da. Now, we could give everybody else nicknames. I mean, the only person who really deserves it, I think, is uh, Mr. Futterman, which, right. I mean, Dick Miller fucking rules. So I would make a motion that we could call him DMFR, Dimfer. For Dick Miller fucking rules. (laughs) Okay. DMFR it is. All right. And then I guess you could give one to Corey Feldman, but whatever. Call him Tommy Jarvis and let's move on to the recapitation, shall we? Shall I be doing this since you're going to lead the sleigh by play? Go for it. A boy gets a present and through his own inexperience and irresponsibility basically causes a town to have Christmas ruined for not one young lady, but all. And it's blamed on mass hysteria. Nice. And capitalism is evil. It's funny because I, I thought that in the beginning of the movie, I thought it was
1: going to be the dad that screwed it up. I was like, oh, he's not going to tell the kid at all. I mean, they even made it sound like that. He's like, oh, okay, whatever. When he was being told the rules. And the stupid Billy.
0: What? The first one, I give him a pass on. The dumb kid knocking over yeah. the, the paintbrushes is fine. But then every other one, I'm like, come on, dude but then that I mean even the second well, one I guess so it's, he, not, it's not his ignorance it's not he does fault. check yeah. the clock yeah, yeah. but you gotta be better than that so you, the WB logo at the starting of the movie did you know that had actually been discontinued by this point the original like Warner Brothers crest and they'd stopped using it in the 70s and then Joe Dante had to like beg them to use this because by this time they were using the Time Warner logo and most recently you could see that in the Joker movie oh, I haven't seen it yet it's not that good I watched really? it it's like fine it is completely adequate but it's just like it's boring. And there's like no script. The script is five pages. It's all drama and like drawn like, out. Yeah, him laughing at himself and crying. And I'm just like, I don't have the fucking time for this, dude. Like, do something, you know, pull out a giant mallet and hit somebody who looks like a bat for fuck's sake. It was just a sad little movie, like it was just like watching The Graduate or something. Like, what the fuck am I watching? Oh man! But it's not bad. It's just fine. Right? It's not one of those things. Like, there were elements of it I liked, and the stuff I liked, I really liked. But then, so much of it, I was just fucking bored. The exact opposite of this movie, where I feel like I'm intrigued or I'm just riveted. Like, even though this movie is long, I love it all. So, I this is one where I don't mind the length so much, but I can definitely see why it's dual. So, you take it away. So, the movie starts with a guy walking through Chinatown,
1: and he's doing a voiceover. It's very Nor-esque. It was kind of weird, because the only time they do it is in the beginning, and then the very, very end. Exactly. And the very end, it doesn't sound as, it's not as Nor-esque, because the beginning is the visuals
0: help with it. He even has the hat, the hat,
1: and the the overcoat, and he's walking through Chinatown, the big white
0: guy in Chinatown. The seedy kind of part of town. Yeah. Going into a basement.
1: Yeah. Yeah, following this kid into a basement and so he's he's talking about how he has a story to tell (laughs) which sounds like the start of a country song right yeah right exactly and uh so he's looking for a christmas present for his son so he, he follows uh
0: this boy into his grandfather's shop and the shop if you look at the four mandarin symbols on the door it translates roughly to gods and monsters which i will let you know i am not fluent in any kind of language i'm barely fluent in english so I might be wrong on that. Also, Gods and Monsters is a movie where Ian McKellen kisses Brendan Fraser's neck. Never forget it. Move on. <laughs> so he follows him down. Oh, can I talk about this book? Sorry. I, I hate to have cut you off, but I actually literally screen capped the part from the book in here because I think it's so rad. So in the book, they established that his dad just goes to Chinatown and he has no idea why. Quote, how he arrived in Chinatown, he was not exactly sure. He had no recollection of ordering a cabbie to, quote, take me to Chinatown, end quote, or even of deciding that he should take himself there, probably as he meandered through the shop and mall and stall in search of the elusive, unique present he had arrived in Chinatown almost by osmosis. He had never shopped here before, although he had visited as a tourist. But why not? Why shouldn't this be the place where he found it, whatever it was? Why? As... It adds such a cool wrinkle, though. It's so fucking weird. Like, right? That's such a weird thing to just extrapolate on. But this is what happens when you're trying to make 300 pages of book out of nothing. Great.
1: Right. You know, I'm so when I have to write stuff, I'm so bad at bullshitting. But clearly, this guy is great at it. Oh, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can take it over. Sorry,
1: buddy. <laughs> so he he's going into the store, and he there's all sorts of of cool stuff and old stuff, and and obviously Chinese cultural dragons and stuff like that and he immediately goes into his inventor shtick and selling stuff and he has his bathroom buddy and he's explaining it to the old old Chinese man and he's just kind of staring at him <laughs> What the fuck?
0: yeah I love it so much Mr. Wing is great in the scene because it's one of those ones where like you don't know if he speaks English until he starts speaking English right and as he's doing this he hears here's
1: so this is the dad obviously so let's call him dad he hears sa- uh, squeaking sounds in the back and he goes and checks it out and it's, it's gizmo is singing when he's in a box
0: or a cage. Does that song get stuck in your head? Every time I watch this movie, the sequel. Yeah, it it didn't. It didn't at the time, but I'm also watching it
1: and taking notes. Yeah, fair point. I've kind of talked about it before, but it kind of like, especially when you're watching a movie like, or first time movie or like you haven't seen it in a while, it, it kind of messes with your... Oh, yeah. Like... This is almost an every year movie for me. Yeah. I, it's
0: something. Well, it would be. My wife checked out like an hour in. <laughs> so, so Your wife is not the most patient of people. And neither is mine. Because my wife also checked out about halfway through. Yeah. And then started watching The Crown on her phone in our bedroom. But she left me with the full big TV. So I was happy. I was like, get get <laughs> the gone woman. Anyways. Yeah. But when he does sing, though. Super cute. Super cute. You know who's, who does the voice of Gizmo? No. Howie Mandel. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, I think I knew that. I think, Yeah, uh, he did the voices for Bobby's World too. Right. So he had the, he was kind of patented the cute voice game, and then he had a soul patch. I mean, <laughs> what more could yeah. you ask for in life? I love
1: the little their their lines throughout the just the little lines throughout the movies, the one words or whatever it is. Super cute. It was done executed very well. So here here's a squeaking. and he goes back and checks it out, and he offers a hundred bucks for it. And the old man says, with Mogwai comes much responsibility. And the kid basically tells him to wait wait outside. And so the guy, the dad leaves and the boy brings a box with the Mogwai in it. And this is where on the way out, it's like a panning, large, long panning shot of just like him leaving. You're not really close to him or anything. And it's like the voiceover again saying the rules.
0: And the dad basically just says, whatever you say, kid. Yeah, and it's interesting. If you adjust for inflation, he gives the kid $487.91. And it seems like he's really bad at what he does, and then his mom doesn't seem to work, and so it's just Billy supporting all these people on his bank teller salary, but it they don't I don't think they do a good enough job of saying like this guy is making a terrible financial decision right here, right? So anyway, keep going. But I that's like the one takeaway I had cuz the kid's not necessarily very compelling. He's just like whatever, my grandpa needs money and he's crazy. That's yeah.
1: Yeah, so you know, almost $500 for something that you don't know what it is, but
0: it's it's furry and cute. And nobody knows what it is. I mean, that's the, the one of the crazy parts. It's like nobody's like this is the scientific find of a century. It's like, okay, it's just there.
1: Right. So they live in this world where hey, look, there's something I've literally never heard of. But it's okay. We'll
0: just buy it. I think that's because this is in the Howling and in Indiana Jones universes where you have pe- Nazis melting with looking at little trinkets and werewolves. That's These true. people are just fatigued. Anything, Anything could happen. Yeah.
1: So we cut to basically a Christmas town in full flight. Snow everywhere, kids, snowball fights. And we kind of get introduced to a lot of the characters. Really, rapidly. really quickly. Yeah. We, we're at a Christmas tree lot and uh, we meet the sheriff and one of his deputies. And we meet
0: the boy, Pete. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, Cory Feldman. Corey Feldman. Which what I love about this scene is you basically have cops who are begging for a Christmas tree and trying to like extort this guy. Then you have Corey Feldman who's walking around dressed That's as a tree. tree. Yeah. Whose dad is making him do manual labor. It's just awesome. And then we meet Oh, Billy. <laughs>
1: So we meet Billy and and his dog. Uh, they're trying to get
0: his VW. Barney, but- have some respect, played by the Barney. great and illustrious Mushroom was the name of the dog. <laughs> I'm not kidding you, man. I went <laughs> way into the weeds in my research on this one. This is what happens when Brian edits the Patreon bonus episode and I have extra time to breathe and think over the week. I'm like, well, fuck, why not read a 300-page novelization that sucks and makes things weird? Jake goes hard on gremlins. Uh, yeah, I do. How raw dog. <laughs> so Billy and
1: Barney... All right, trying to get in there, his car, and it won't start. And this is where Mr. Futterman comes in, asks if he needs a jump. And DMFR. DMFR. And then DMFR talks
0: about why won't it start? Because it's foreign crap. This is where nationalism's okay because it's Dick Miller. Anybody else would be like, nope, that's not appropriate. However, you want to qualify that, Jake. Yeah, no, for sure. I felt (laughs) weird saying it too. I'm like, eh. I'm defending it with a fictional character. Nah, it's probably, we'll move on. You could, yeah. So Billy starts to walk through town to work. He works at a bank and
1: Phoebe Cates works there too. Did we have a nickname for her? I think we did.
0: Oh, yeah. It, it's Shelly Duvall. Shelly Duvall. So that's she, that's a weird one. I, you're not going to like that. Let's no. just call her Fast Times. Fast Times. All right. So she works there
1: too and she kind of asks him to sign something and they kind of give each other a look probably the worst love story i've ever seen in the movie
0: yeah they don't really have any chemistry it it's was, very
1: odd well not even like lack of chemistry it's like it just wasn't there was just nothing they were barely had you know even though they were together through for like the majority of like the second half of the movie they didn't really do much of anything
0: yeah and then when he kisses her it's just, like oh, oh okay yeah they just kiss so you're like why okay He's also not a gentleman. When they're running through the snow, he doesn't give her his coat. She's just walking around holding her elbows, and he's just like, oh, I'm sweaty in this huge, thick suit. And so
1: we get Mrs. Deagle, so old cranky lady, coming through the street carrying a snowman's head, super crabby, bitchy to everybody. And she gets confronted by mother and children saying that her rent's going to be late because I guess she's our landlord or something
0: like 36 bucks worth. And she's.
1: Yeah. Like, it was super small about, and She was just acts like a bitch to them. Like, well, yeah, can't Maybe you could ask
0: for Santa for uh, a house for
1: Christmas. Jesus. So Miss Deagle goes into the bank and basically says that Billy's dog broke her snowman and she doesn't want money. She wants Barney
0: so she could kill him. Yes. Slowly. Yeah, dude. This is your and your little dog too moment for this movie. Yeah. Super fucked up though. Yeah, she's dark. I really am not a fan of her. Like, but she does a great job of being unlikable. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then this jumps to... Oh,
0: Barney jumps over and yeah. attacks, attacks her. Which is crazy because that dog puts his mouth around her arm and she's just like, whatever. And then further breaks what's left of the snowman's head. Right.
1: Yeah, it falls like shatters.
0: Yeah. And it's so weird because like she was already that upset about just a ceramic snowman and now she has physically been assaulted and she's like oh whatever I'll just get you
1: yeah I'm gonna get you and she's like sticking her face in the dog's face like I'm gonna get you why would you do that to a dog that just bit your arm yeah
0: not smart dude
1: and she's like oh my heart yeah
0: right (laughs) but then Billy keeps his job because it's the holidays right Well, it goes to so it goes to the bar yep and is Billy a high school student or not I. uh, it's weird so Billy was not originally the reason that he and Corey Feldman are friends in this movie is because originally he was the same age as Corey Feldman. They just aged him up. So think about that age difference of getting to 21. What was the drinking wage in 84? Was it still? Yeah, it was still 21. So I don't know. He That means that he would have had to age up seven years to be where he is. But that's yeah. whatever. So this scene is him. And it's Phoebe Cates who could have been younger because you could only have to be eighteen to be, you know, serving alcohol. As far as I know, I might be wrong. Who knows? I'm not a doctor of alcohol. And then you have Judge Reinhold who comes in. He's a total prick. I love Judge Reinhold. Like from the '80s, he's so good. And like Beverly Hills Cop, he's great. So his coworker. Yeah, who's like a prick. Gerald. Yeah. Now what's crazy is there's a whole subplot where he's like helping Mrs. Deagle, and they're like buying out the land. They're gonna extort everybody and they're going to try and sell it to some chemical company and they just completely cut it so this is the last time really that you see him as he's speaking points and i'm like fuck no it could have been so good at least let him die on screen God,
1: it would have been like a three-hour movie
0: could you imagine? <laughs> no i don't want the subplot i just want more judge reinhold because yeah. i love him i actually would have really liked him as billy in this movie because i think he has way more boyish charm in a lot of ways yeah definitely better actor too oh yeah for sure so, no offense, Zach Gallagher. But, I like you and all. You seem super nice in all of the stuff I was watching, but still, like... Yeah, Judge Reinhold I mean, at the I'm time. I'm an attorney. His name is Judge. <laughs> Judge me.
1: So Billy's in the bar and he's drawing himself as a knight fighting the old lady as a dragon. Super cute. And so, yeah, his co-worker, Gerald, comes in, basically just giving him shit. He's like, somebody almost applied for unemployment today. Would you say he's playing
0: Gerald's game? <laughs> you know, that is... It's, it's a... Book turned into a horror movie where a lady gets tied up. It's fine. You don't have to. <laughs> so Fast I don't need your fucking pity, Jim. <laughs>
1: fast times also works at the bar. Forget what she's just making extra money.
0: Yeah, because her dad's dead, so she has to help support her family.
1: Oh yeah, that was super fucked up too.
0: <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> we'll just cut to that part. <laughs> so Joe Dante loves this monologue. And Steven Spielberg didn't care for it. And the movie executives wanted it cut. But Dante and Spielberg got final cut of the movie. And so Dante was like, this needs to be in here. And Spielberg was like, fuck, fine, I guess, whatever. And I always laugh hysterically during this monologue. And everybody looks at me like I'm fucking crazy. Yes, because you are. <laughs> this is so fucking funny, though. Like, she delivers it so well. And the source material is so dark. And it's just, it's absurd in, like, this profoundly meta way to me. Everything else in this movie is very overt, hits you over the head, but this is like the one point of, I'm not going to say subtlety, but just weirdness. Right. I God, I was expecting like he just ran out on them or, you know,
1: we just never saw him again on Christmas. So that's my Christmas was ruined, but he had to die in the fucking fireplace dressed as Santa. I don't know. Everything about it. It doesn't fit with the rest of the movie for me. It just it was so out of left field. I
0: was like, wow that's why I like it but keep yeah. going it's alright there's also a great one liner about it in the second one so I'm not gonna I'm not <laughs> gonna spoil it for you but it's great
1: so we cut to Billy coming home and he he closes the door and this is where we get Chekhov's
0: sword oh guy. really
1: I did not know that that was you know like cool. Chekhov's gun
0: yeah you know Oh, sorry. I thought you meant Star Trek. No, 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 no. I was super excited and I was like, wait a second, that's Sulu who uses uh, keep going. No, it's it's Oh, sorry. I know what you mean now. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wait, hold on. No, so so he he closes the door and a
1: sword falls. Yeah, yeah. And then the dad does it too when he comes home. But anyways, it's the Chekhov's gun where if there's there's something you see, if there's a a gun on the mantelpiece
0: it in will act come one, in act one
1: and act three it will come into play. Exactly. exactly. I love finding the seeing those little things there's
0: It's so much easier in animation because usually you just look for the one thing that's colored differently than everything else. But in movies, like with live action, it's always kind of a fun hunt. Right. So he goes and talks to mom and it turns out Miss Deagle is also there.
1: Very odd. I I didn't understand what was going on there, but she was like obviously mad. Dad comes home. and This is where he gives Billy a gift. He shakes it. It's like, yeah. So he opens it and he says... I think his dad calls it a mogwai, but I just call him Gizmo. That's how he gets his name. It makes sense, Gizmo because that. he's an inventor. inventor. Right. Yeah. And uh, mom gets the camera and take, takes a picture and the flash goes off. And Gizmo gets gets all scared. And this is where the dad repeats
0: the rules. Do you want me to go through the rules? I mean, one, don't feed after midnight. Two, don't submit them to bright light. Sunlight could kill them. Three, don't get them wet. I went out of order, but whatever. So... It cuts to
1: Bill in his room. He's playing keybo- the keyboard for Gizmo. and Gizmo starts singing and playing. So it's obviously this intelligent, very intelligent creature. Puts the ha- Santa hat on him and shows him a mirror, which causes reflects a bright light. And he falls in the trash can and his head is bleeding. So he takes him
0: to the bathroom. It's one of my and favorite reaction gifts to use because he's got the Santa hat and his eyes just go fucking buck wild yeah. and each in a different direction. So now I'm thinking of like a giant fucking Gizmo with a Santa hat on.
1: It's awesome. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, that belongs in like a museum somewhere.
1: So next morning, we see Billy making the, uh, or he's trying to use the Dazzle Juicer. So we started to see more of his, his, oh God, it's so good. Gadgets.
0: It's one orange, but it's like a torrential downpour of orange juice. It rules. So yeah, it
1: freaking explodes. And then Pete comes in, dresses a tree, He says he's bringing them their tree. There's a lot of cuts back and forth, just like little scenes. But, uh, and then we go back to the kitchen. And it's literally the entire kitchen is covered in oranges. It's awesome. So this is the next scene is is uh, Gizmo watching TV and he's watching cars. He's like, vroom, vroom. Yeah. And this is where Pete meets Gizmo and he accidentally spills water on him. And so the skin starts bubbling and the hairballs pop off and they start growing. And this is where we get all the new, the five
0: new mogwai which is super rad. The way they did the effect is they literally just fed balloons from underneath and they just uh, drilled the hole and it's a balloon they just covered in fake hair. So it's literally just makeup artist going <laughs> and inflating it like that. There's no extra trickery. You're not adding anything to it. I thought it was really fun. That's cool. It's always interesting to see practical effects or
1: how like behind the scenes stuff or like oh, how yeah. they created stuff. It reminds me of the dog, the dog skin and Phantoms. Oh, up, yeah, dude. Probably done the same way. So we cut to a scene where Billy is coming in to tell his dad about the Mogwai. And his dad's doing like the sales pitch to his own son type of thing. It's so good. He's such a charming character. I kind of wish that you saw him in more things. So he tells him about all the that a multiplied. And they go back to the, the house. I think he was in the garage or something. And they the, all the, the Mogwai are all playing with the Christmas presents. And then we cut tonight. The Mogwai are asleep. And Barney starts howling. Super sad. Yeah. And and one of the Mogwai is like grinning. I think it might have been Stripe. And so Billy goes outside and Barney's strung up in the Christmas lights and he gets him down and he's talking with his parents and he thinks it's Miss Deagle.
0: Which is that's such a weird like jump to make. Right. Like that's clearly that didn't happen. But okay, (laughs) Right.
1: This old lady got a hold of your dog and somehow strung him up in Christmas lights without getting her head bit off.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Pulled him out of the house had the leverages to lift him over her head. Yeah, come on, dude. But I guess, I mean, he is a naive kid and he's very, you know, yeah so, narrow perspective. So
1: about him being a kid again, or maybe he's 21. Yeah. <laughs> next thing he goes and asks, he calls his teacher to check out. Or he brings,
0: he brings Gizmo oh. to his teacher. I call him Science Man. Science Man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Science Man. And so I don't know... Yeah, you know, obviously. So, so you keep in touch with your teachers after high school. Some people do, sure, whatever. Or it's his teacher now. But they bring it to Science Man, and he he puts water on it, like a little dropper, like an eyedropper
0: of water to sprout one more mogwai. It's so fun because it sets up that it's not an indeterminate amount of water. Because when Stripe jumps into the pool later, it's like you know, fuck, right, right. It's cool. Yeah, it sets up that there's
1: a, another rule to to whatever the. The mysticism behind the, the Mogwai is. So after taking him to the his school teacher, Billy's walking by the bar and Mr. Fudderman is drunk and he's talking about foreigners planting gremlins in cars and TVs and radios. And they get Billy and Fast Times get him to walk home. And uh, as they're as they're walking through town, we find out that Katie doesn't like Christmas, and then Billy asks her out on a date.
0: Thursday and she's like hell yeah give me that dick right um, I might be paraphrasing sorry
1: so we go back to the teacher and he's drawing blood with a syringe from the Mogwai
0: which has a, a certain degree of menace to it
1: yeah it was like right in the palm of the Mogwai's hand too I was Very like
0: on. yeah the the fingers no good but I mean I guess he's trying to find fleshy bits that doesn't have hair on it I guess I don't know I don't know So it cuts back to
1: Billy in his bedroom. He's watching Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And all the Mogwai are going crazy.
0: So cute. It reminds me of my fucking kid just making noise and (laughs) running around. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening right now? I'm trying to watch a black and white movie. And this is where Gizmo, every time I say neat, I always say it like Gizmo when he's sitting there with his stupid 3D glasses. (laughs) I don't know. Those things that get burned in your head when you're a kid just change the scope of your entire life. So... Billy looks at his clock
1: and it's like 1130 or something and he goes to get them food and so he gets some chicken and then we cut back to the teacher who is also eating and leaves his sandwich next to the cage and then we go back to Billy's room. He's asleep. He wakes up. There's a bunch of cocoons in his room. So
0: I had said chrysalis and then I was I very sternly reminded when the subtitle came up and it said cocoon and I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> the papal stage. And what's interesting, the science man has enough foresight to take away the chips, but leaves a sandwich. And so I love when you hear the mogwa go, yeah, it's already started. Like, Oh, this is evil. This is bad. (laughs) Like, I would love to watch this movie for the first time, not having known what it was, because I can only imagine how cool that would have been. Like, oh, that's tipping the scales. So they basically don't freak out at all, which is kind of weird. Billy ends up going to the lab and they cut out the cocoon from the cage. But really, like they're not calling National Guard. They're not burning the things. And so it's his mom who's really starting to deal with it all. She is making cookies, and she tries to answer with this cordless phone device that doesn't work. So she takes the extra two steps across the kitchen to answer, and it's the dad. And the dad's calling from an inventor's convention, which this is an awesome seed of like in-jokes. The guy who's on the little cart with the broken leg that's spinning around him? That's Steven Spielberg, dude. The uh, time machine in the background is HG Wells' time machine that's used in the movie Time After Time where the guy who played the scientist from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze goes up against Malcolm McDowell because he's Jack the Ripper. It's so good. Then you have Robbie the Robot from Forbidden Planet. Oh, it's so good. Oh, and then Jerry Goldsmith is there and Zach Galligan's stand-in is there. I literally missed all of that. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> and then if you watch if you watch closely, you'll see the time machine disappears like from shot to shot and there's like a tuft of smoke implying that it worked (laughs) so good and so basically he's like yeah I'm pretty much outside my depth and they hang up Mrs. Deagle this is where she has the threatening Barney again and then basically Billy is like oh Billy is like oh I know you killed my dog you tried to kill him with Christmas lights and she's like I don't know what you're talking about (sighs) then we go Back to the science class. Do you want to know how into this movie I am? I can tell you what movie was playing on the overhead projector, bitch. Something. It's called The Hemo the Magnificent from 1957. Hemo, as in blood. Blood. Yep. Directed by Frank Capra. Oh. <laughs> yeah, dude. I went nuts. I'm sorry. Like every time you're saying something, I'm having to debate like, should I have mentioned the fact that he was leading the dog Barney through the streets with a thin piano wire, thus giving the illusion that he was not on a leash, but he actually was. Oh, my God. That's how detailed. I am. <laughs> so keep going, man. Sorry. I, I really, really like this scene.
1: So they're watching a movie and he's for some reason, he boxed up the cocoon and it's on his desk. And we actually cut back to Billy's room where the cocoons are starting to rupture and smoke and claws are coming out. Now we're back to the science class and the box is smoking and shaking. And just in time, the bell rings and the kids leave right as the the, the box falls on the floor. So the teacher calls Billy to let him know it hatched with the cocoon on the floor and there's nothing there. So like, obviously, whatever it
0: was is got up. Yeah, You got to love his fucking priorities. He makes the phone call and then tries to track the thing down. Whereas I'd be like, um, bleh. It could escape. It could hurt someone. You're at a school. Civil liability, dude. <laughs> this is chaos. He's looking for the Mogwai
1: finally, and he's taking a candy bar and kind of like enticing him with it. So and good. You don't ever see it, but then it's it's like under the table. So he sticks his hand with the
0: candy bar down there. What a dumbass! Yes. And he he gets. You're supposed to be smart, science man. He get his hand
1: gets bitten, but you don't see anything. He just he screams, and then it cuts to Billy. So Billy comes in. And he finds the teacher dead with a syringe stuck in his ass.
0: I don't know that he's dead. He might just be unconscious. But he probably
1: did Totally dead. Okay, sure. So he, he goes to try to grab the phone and his hand gets
0: cut up by the gremlin claw. And then it tries to eat an apple and it, it throws it him and yuck. says, yuck. And then it literally eats glass from a test tube. No problem. And escapes through the vent. So Billy runs off to the nurse's office to wrap his hand. And boom, erupts the gremlin that you see for the first time in full body from the cabinet trying to attack him again before it scuttles off through the vent. Man, that's such a fun reveal. Yeah, it was good. It was kind of like just swinging on the, the door, too. Yeah. Laughing. Super dynamic, right? It reminds me of like Errol Flynn playing Robin Hood. It's such like a bold, <laughs> you know, kind of exposition. I don't know.
1: It's weird. So you come back to Billy's house and Gizmo strapped to the dartboard. And they're throwing darts at him.
0: (laughs) It's so funny.
1: So the mom goes upstairs to check out what's going on. She has a knife. And they throw Gizmo down through the laundry chute. And they say,
0: Gizmo caca.
1: (laughs) Which is awesome. So the mom sees all the hatched eggs. She answers a phone call and is Billy warning her. But the gremlins uh, pull the
0: phone line out. And they say, phone home. Which is obviously a jab at E.T. The phone home. I realized this for the first time watching this movie. With how referential the Gremlins films are to pop culture, I'm not even a big fan of this Marvel character, but I would love to see Gremlins versus Deadpool. Because I just think that the fourth wall breaking could be (laughs) fucking delightful. That would be pretty amazing. Sorry, that's all. You can keep going. (laughs) And also, the mom uses a knife, which if you know your Deadpool lore, he uses katanas and whatnot. So the mom hears Xmas music, (laughs) Christmas music. (laughs) Keep it. It's
1: a problem with uh, reading straight from my notes. Dude, I know.
0: The struggle is real,
1: dog. So she goes downstairs, and she sees a gremlin eating the cookies that she
0: was just baking. Was, yum, yum. Which I love that he's eating it from the head first. Like That's probably how I would eat it, too, but it's just so much like more severe.
1: And then it starts to eat out of the blender. The mom goes and turns on the blender, which was great. Shreds his head and guts and gore everywhere. Man, that's so good. And another gremlin comes out and he's throwing dishes at her and she grabs a table as a shield which is awesome. I expected her to be
0: like, I could do this all day.
1: <laughs> and so she goes and stabs him right in the head and then she grabs a bottle of something like Raid and then sprays the other another one into
0: the microwave. It's actually flea and tick spray. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> I told you I would not. He's go he's in there. <laughs> And he blows up in the microwave dings. So, this is actually not the original cut. Originally, there was another microwave scene, which was even gorier that, that they had to cut down. How could it? Well, could have been uh, red, I guess. I probably. Know.
1: It was pretty. I mean, as far as, if you know, Gremlin
0: exploding, it's pretty. I love boring. it. It's so much liquid. It's awesome. And so she gets another knife. And so she's like dual wielding. And, oh, yeah, she sees there's a stocking that's rocking on the mantle. And so she's like, I'm going to get you, bitch. So she cuts it open. And then a toy robot falls out of it, which, wait, Billy's way too old. Right. He's like 25. Yeah. He's got a beard. And then he backs, she backs up into the Christmas tree. You see the glowing orange eyes. And she gets attacked. And it's literally trying to strangle her with the tinsel before Billy comes in. And here is your Chekhov's gun. Yeah, Chekhov's sword. He comes in and grabs a sword and slashes a gremlin, which flies into the fireplace. I had to rewatch it. It's just the head. Oh, is it? I had made a note. I was like, oh, just the heads in the fire, but he hit the whole body. No, The the head's just so fucking huge that it flops in. And then so Stripe would that
1: would be Stripe would be the last one because there was five. Correct. So she killed four and Stripe is there and he escapes out the window. He he jumps out the window. So Billy takes his mom to uh, the doctor's house. And then he goes back home to find Gizmo in the laundry. And then
0: they follow the Gremlin tracks to the YMCA. Yeah, I almost wanted to call... If we were going to do nicknames for the Gremlins, it would have just been the village people. (laughs) That's pretty good. They sing. They go to the Y. I mean, it fits. There's a... Yeah. They go inside the YMCA
1: and they get attacked by Stripe. And then Stripe eventually... Who jumps out of a goddamn fuse box just crazy. And he ends up jumping in the
0: pool. This was a cool scene he starts bubbling like crazy the lights going off and i like that even as it's happening it still has a degree of novelty to it because he pinches his nose like he would doing a cannonball <laughs> yeah. and so it still has that kind of capricious attitude as something dire is happening and then they end up going to the sheriff's station and it's the typical boy who cried wolf scene where they're just like oh yeah blah blah we don't believe you a uh, one visual i wanted to touch on when they're at the ymca is Billy wielding the sword with Gizmo in the backpack—it reminded me of Lone Wolf and Cub. If you know what that reference is, great. If you don't, just do the Google search, and we'll move on. Tell us what happens at the sheriff station, Timothy. So he basically tells them,
1: tries to warn them, warn them, and they just disregard him. But they're there playing with Gizmo,
0: like, yeah. oh, he's super cute. There's <laughs> a little American flag, and he's—it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, just a doofus scene. Like it's in so many movies. It's in your Killer Clowns. Yeah, I. You see it so often, and that's probably a scene that I think could have been cut. I think the whole cop thing should have been cut, yeah. Because there's only two cops ever in the whole movie, so it's not like it's a big threat. And they don't
1: do anything except get owned.
0: But so they get a phone call. They get a phone call, and well, first, so oh, you're right. It's it's the only stop motion scene in the entire movie comes out here. Yeah. So it cuts to a a,
1: a scene on the street, and I think one gremlin appears, and then like an army of gremlins come walking down the street
0: yeah it's awesome and they're like jumping around and it's very dynamic it's it's very like so joe dante had it considered doing all of the gremlins in stop animation the entire time but then it was just too costly and time consuming i think the puppets work better i mean the stop motion you could tell it stop motion too it just wasn't
1: yeah so it's good that they went puppet route because that could have looked really bad and so this is it cuts to uh, the Futterman's. Yeah. And the wife
0: moves like the fake log brick, which is just so <laughs> weird. Gotta get it just right. And can we talk about how the Mrs. Futterman's like the nicest person ever? Because even as he's being a dick about like the TV not working, she's like, oh, you have the clicker. Yeah. I would have been like, shut your ass, old man. <laughs> you might be Dick Miller, but you can suck your own dick off. So he's complaining again about a goddamn foreign TV
1: and the gremlins are on the roof swinging from his antenna. He's yeah. fucking up his TV. So he goes out to check. He hears a crashing sounds. And uh gremlin starts his tractor, and it busts through the garage. And <laughs> it goes through the house. He runs to the house. It follows him through the house. And him and his wife are basically in the corner. And he's, what does he say? He's like, goddamn gremlin driving my tractor. <laughs> yeah, Famous last words, right? And they
0: basically, it, it doesn't show it, but they basically get
1: smashed by the tractor.
0: Yeah. And the fact that, so they actually come back for the sequel. So that's one of the things about oh, okay. the ambiguity of them not necessarily dying, which I guess is not only just for the MPAA. Cause like that's the thing. The science man is not necessarily dead. Right. So that's one of the, the kind of workarounds. But there's a window behind them. So, you know, it could happen where they just get pushed through it. Yeah. But yeah. What do you think about that reveal where the full orchestration happens as the. Plow is coming out. I think that's just terrific. Yeah, that was great. It's one of the best. Oh, yeah,
1: snowplow isn't a tractor. Oh, Well, oh, right.
0: a tractor and a snowplow are the same thing. It's just what, what you have attractor. on it. You're right, Jim. I just said snowplow because I had different notes to you. I appreciate you. Please move on. I even wrote here <laughs>
1: later. So, uh, well, okay. So it jumped, it goes to a guy putting in mail in a mailbox and it gets thrown back out and another guy comes up and tries to put it in. Oh, no, let's talk about
0: this. That's a fucking priest. Oh, the and, priest. <laughs> The dude doesn't have the fucking decency to warn the next guy who gets his damn arm bit off. He was shocked, okay? Yeah. i had been shocked if my mail got spit back out at me. I bet you if it was little boy putting mail in
1: there, he would have taken care of him. We went there. Mm. I did. So the next is the gremlin fucking with the street, street light like junction box. Like so good. Mixing the wires and it turns all the, the lights all green.
0: You don't even have to see the cars crash. You just hear the sound and it works so well. Oh, no,
1: that was good. Hey, it would have been it would have been too much if it like cut to like oh let's show the cars crash <laughs> exactly and so now they're back at the sheriffs and Gizmo's being cute and this is where the sheriffs get a call thus substantiating
0: everything that Billy has just said
1: right well they still don't believe him but it's about the men and there's futtermen's and there's a snowplow accident so they basically just tell Billy to go home take your little mythical creature with you
0: <laughs> yeah The fact that they just dismiss it all. And then the cops are immediately doofuses as they're going out in the town anyway. So, I mean, I kind of like the fact that it's just like, these guys are practically irredeemable. They're just too fucking stupid to live. Uh, But there is a great little car flip that comes out of them. So, I'll give them that. Yeah. Probably one of the more expensive parts of this movie when you think about it.
1: Yeah. But, uh, you know, talking about when cutting time down.
0: Yeah. I mean, thinking about it,
1: everything about the sheriffs could have been cut and that would have been... I and mean, we would have fixed a lot of, of the timing issues. All,
0: all you need to see is just a car with them dead. That's all you needed for that. Right. So that you and know, that's 10 oh, minutes. there's a,
1: there's no police here to help us.
0: Yeah. Because you only ever see the two police in the entire town anyway. So the next scene is
1: Stripe is at Crazy Bitch Deagle House. I love it so much. <laughs> she So she's like crazy cat lady, right? She's coming down her stairs in her little motorized chair. Or did you
0: notice that all of her cats are named after Currency? There was,
1: yeah, there was one. I can't remember what she was calling it. It don't matter that much. Whatever. But she hears, so she hears carolers outside. Ella, she, such a curmudgeon that she grabs a thing of water. Good thing she doesn't do it. Oh, I know. She grabs like a tall, like a pitcher of water or something, and she's just going to throw it. As she opens the door, she's just going to drench these
0: carolers. Yep. Could you imagine if somebody actually did that? Yeah, I can, for sure. You hear stories about that all the time. One thing that I thought was funny, the sign for the real estate company says that basically it's only open for 45 minutes a day because it's from from 10.30 to 11.15. So she is like such an evil person. She's, I don't know, she's just magnificent. And then they mess up her electric stair climber and thus shoot her out of the window into the street. And that's when the cops are like, oh, it's Miss Deagle. And then they see the guy who's Santa Claus. Oh, it's Santa. He's the guy I play Santa every year. And then you have the gremlin that bites the brake line, and that whole situation happens. Now, on the radio, you have Rocky, Rockin' Ricky, and he's there like DJ. You even see like a sign for it in the background at one point. And he's talking about like, oh, they're attacking, whatever. And later on in the movie, if you listen, he talks about turning the hoses onto the things that are attacking. And so you that would have been a great premise for a sequel just right there of like right. what happens to Rock and Ricky. I do remember him talking
1: about like how they defended them or something like he's like, but we're still on here. Yeah. So yeah, so the, the sheriffs drive off with Santa being
0: eaten or attacked by the gremlins. So they're just just they just drive off. And it serves them right. They die turned over in a car because they didn't do the right thing. Yeah. And then you end up at Dory's bar. Here's a question for you, Jim. What is a key ingredient in beer? Is it water? Does water make you wet? They're all (laughs) drinking a lot of beer, and they're not just erupting out the mouth. Does snow? I mean... If they're reptilian, wouldn't they be cold-blooded and thus not heating the snow?
1: I mean, it's just water. It's just in a different phase. Well, so is vapor. Oh, Oh. shit,
0: dog. Yeah, these rules kind of suck, don't they? But you have Kate serving the drinks. You get the flasher gremlin. You get the gremlin whose belly is filling up from drinking out of the tap, which is done with Froyo in the sequel. You got the transvestite gremlin with Stripe. You got a gremlin who's using puppets on his hands. So it's a puppet with a puppet. That's Inception before Inception happened. (laughs) You got one who puts his finger in a socket and smoke comes out of his ears. You got one that goes. Oh, and then when Kate goes to light one of their cigarettes, he gets scared of the fire and falls down. So she uses the, the Polaroid and flashes them. Thus, getting revenge for the flasher flashing her and flashes her way out of there. Billy pulls up, does a little hocus pocus by putting his headlights through the front window. She gets in the car, car doesn't start. Mm-hmm. Then they have to run the streets. How embarrassing.
1: So they're running through the streets, and the town is just in chaos. They end up hiding in the bank.
0: Oh, can I just add one quick thing about the bar? Peter Cullen and Frank Welker, who you might recall were the names or the voices of Optimus Prime and Megatron do voices of the drunk gremlins in the bar and they got into character by drinking Budweiser. Awesome.
1: Yeah. The bar scene is just so much chaos and there's just so much going on. But I think it's my favorite part just because it's... Because how long and how many... There's
0: so many gags. How many it.
1: gags. Yeah. And I love the the one that was just sitting at the table smoking with the hat on. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs>
0: whereas <laughs> the puppet like,
1: like, one comes up to him and just like fucking with
0: him. He gets... Pulls a mallet out
1: of from under the table it's so weird and silly
0: and like that's what that basically that scene is what the sequel is it's just everything is just so absurd and it's just delightful and it's just chaos and and this one i like more because they're interacting with each other i think that the theater has some good gags but they're all looking in one direction right so i would love to watch just them in the wild interacting with one another like that's so much more interesting to me than them dealing with people because the dynamics of like you know, a superiority and everything because they're all clearly beholden to Stripe who's using a gun at one point and everything. He's clearly in charge, but then they're still like fucking with him and playing games and they're still like the transvestite gremlin and stuff. It's just, yeah, I love it. So Billy says, they're gremlins, Kate, just like Mr. Futterman said. And she does the monologue that we talked about. And then when they go to the theater, because all the gremlins have disappeared while they were in the bank, you can see the howling is being advertised which obviously is a Joe Dante film. There's also references to E.T., yada, yada. So when they go in, they see that all the gremlins are watching Snow White, which is hilarious. They're singing, they're dancing, they love it. it. And so Kate strangely knows where the boiler room is. She probably worked there. Yeah, Yeah. at the rate she's going. So all of the gremlins are watching. Stripe wants candy because he goes to the snack bar and it's empty. So he escapes. I love as he's... He's getting out of
1: his chair to go. The other gremlin next to him leans over and goes, milk (laughs) duds.
0: Awesome. (laughs) I didn't catch that. So he goes and he goes across the street. They light a rag on fire. They're going to blow up the whole thing. And so the reel breaks as they're behind the screen. So they get silhouetted and the gremlins see them. And so one fun gag, kind of like the stop motion to show the gremlins being more dynamic and not just puppets. They use animation cells and they project that so it looks like there's a bunch of gremlins jumping and chasing at them. Then they start tearing through. The tearing was awesome. It's super great. And then there's the explosion, which is great. And that's how all of them die except for Stripe. Because he was getting milk duds. And uh, red vines, which I am a fan of. Mm-hmm.
1: After the theater blows up, so they see him across the street getting the candy. Billy's warning. like If, if he gets to the water, it's going to start all over. And this is where they kiss. It's so awkward. He's just like rushing her off, and not yeah, a fan. it just—I mean, they spend some time together, but they just there's just nothing there.
0: No chemistry. I don't down with this relationship. She should have dated Judge Reinhold. One thing I wanted to point out: there is a record called the Figure Control Record, which helps you lose weight with no exercise, like a literally a hypnotism record that's on sale in the department store they're in by Dr. Dante. I think that's a nod to Joe Dante, but I couldn't be sure. It
1: feels I mean a lot of the stuff, every even everything you see in the background, everything
0: seems very deliberate. Yeah. In this movie, even down to what toys like when Stripe is hiding amongst the toys while Billy's like running through, oh, Billy, he pops out and one of the toys is an ET. E.T. does that same gag. like You're talking down to the minutia, which is crazy to show how deliberate this movie was. And this isn't planned over a decade or anything. Right.
1: I I just don't see how that could be a coincidence. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. So they're in the department store, and Kate, or Fast Times, takes Gizmo, and Billy goes after Stripe with a baseball bat, and he gets ambushed by him, basically. He has some saw blades thrown at him, and then Stripe rides away in a tricycle. Which is so adorable.
0: <laughs> it was, again, it's that silly nonsense. It was kind of out of nowhere. It was awesome. and He, he shoots amb- the fucker with a goddamn crossbow.
1: How dope is that? Yeah, he gets ambushed again. And yeah, he gets shot in the arm with a little cross crossbow. And then as he's on the ground, he hears a chainsaw whirring. And he basically, Stripe charges Billy with a chainsaw. And then Billy fins it's the worst chainsaw ever made. Because Billy fins it off with a wooden bat.
0: Yeah. And it gets—I mean, it does look a little precarious when it cuts back to him, but it's still a wooden bat. Right. <laughs> but what's awesome is so Kate turns on the electricity and the lights freak out Stripe, and so the chainsaw hits the ground, and I love that it drags yes. him away. Such a great visual gag. And while this is going on, Gizmo's are driving around in a RC car. It's pink. It's a pink RC car. And he—you hear the voiceover from the movie that he was watching when he's watching the. the Guy in the car, where he goes, needs the dame or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it shows like he's this is paying off this whole stupid idea of him being taught to watch TV. Right. So then the dad pulls into town. That's where you get the rock and Ricky talking about everything. And then Gizmo jumps the car off of a shovel as Stripe is standing at the fountain with his finger in the dike. He pulls down the shade. The light hits him directly. He then falls and crumples in. And then he pops back up and falls out for that whole, like, last jump scare, which is so iconic in horror films. And this effect is so gnarly, dude. It looks so good. And the best part is when he crumples and his skeleton just, like, melts. It's so good. Uh, That's, like, I mean, obviously it's Slay of the Game or whatever, if we still even do that on this show. But it just looks so good. Like, practical effects rule so hard. Even before he he
1: jumped out even when he was melting up on the from the light and he's bubbling and smoking, it was so well done. so the dad and Barney and Katie show up after this, so that was so they showed up before he jumped out and then Billy goes to the fountain and he jumps out and melts and then they're all back home, and the news is on, and you know there's unexplained incidents in the small town explosions and
0: stuff. But since there's no gremlins left because they've been blown up or melted, they can't prove it. And so Billy's got his arm in a sling and they're sitting there. And then, boom, Mr. Wing is standing there in their house. And they're like, "Um, excuse me, quote, oriental, end quote. I still can't believe that's in the book. That's not me saying it. That's George Jipe. everyone. Let's move <laughs> on. But I love that he dramatically holds out his hand and drops the money. Like I don't need your stinky, yeah, it was all like crumpled up too. Yeah, <laughs> it's dirty. He wiped his asshole with it, and so basically, he's like, you know, I told you, fuckheads, that this is a lot of responsibility, and you didn't listen to me. And so, as he tries to apologize to Mister Wing, he offers him the smokeless <laughs> ashtray, which he knows about because the guy tried to sell it to him from the same gas station. And I love that he's like indignant that they tried to show Gizmo TV because again that plays hugely right. in the second one, which takes place largely in a film studio. Oh, okay. Uh huh. So as he's walking off into the matte painting, or the which is so sad, <laughs> and he does the woof by woof woof. My daughter calls Darla woof woof. It's so Aww. cute. So he's walking off into one of the matte paintings of the film and it's a beautiful matte painting but apparently there was a glitch at one point when they were doing it and he just disappeared and they considered keeping it but then they left it where he just continues oh, I should have really, done that I think it'd be so good like adding to the mysticism the whole dragons and pandas fucking or whatever Joe Dante said so the
1: it ended on the same voiceover from the dad not the same voiceover but the same type of voiceover yeah,
0: yeah. and this one is so good this is the moral of the story right,
1: right? well so he talks about he's like when your electronics fail before you call a repairman, turn on all your lights as there might just be gremlins in your house. So good. And that's how it ends.
0: I love this movie. It is like, good. It, it tells you how much I love the second one when I'm like, you and I are the only guys in the room. The reigning and defending classic champion is Alien. I'm fully willing to remove Alien to put gremlins in its place. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I understand that, and I think that the most of our viewing audience would agree yeah. with you. So I'm fine to keep it, but that's how much I love this movie. It's it hits so many of the boxes for me. I do. I just the
1: the practical effects of the Gremlins are just super charming, and just everything about it, just the the little voice comedy and the the one liners because that's all they do is one liners are just so perfect. It's visual one-liners, Yeah, I
0: mean, it's crazy because everything is so deliberate because they had to create this shit. It's not like they had a warehouse full of gremlins that already did this, or even the the armatures inside that did this. They had to make every single step of it to do this. It's so rad. Yeah, definitely a classic. A hundred percent. Without a doubt, if you haven't seen it, you have to. And I would like... There are two options that we have moving forward from here. Jim hasn't seen a new batch. Brian hasn't seen a new batch. So we can do a full episode, which I am dying to do because, like I said, I love that one. Or we can do a commentary track. So if you're listening to this, please let us know, slasherspod at gmail.com. Reach out to us on Instagram at, at slasherspod, on the Slasher app at, at slasherspod, or Amino at slasherspod, Twitter at slasherspod. Am I getting redundant? Because it's basically always at slasherspod, except for YouTube, which is at slasherspodcast. My point being, let us know which one you want because I could definitely see an argument for a full episode or just a commentary. I don't think we should do both. I could do both, but I might literally bore my co-hosts to death. I think that would be excessive. Yeah, I think it would do. I you know, I don't want to end up like our friends over at Spook House who now hate the Halloween franchise, having done every single one and a recap episode. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. God bless you, boys. You soldiered through. Jim, do you have any closing remarks? Just check out Grimms if you haven't. Is super fun. And if there's any of the Gremlins knockoffs that we talked about that you'd like us to do, please let us know. Jim, do you want to hit us with that last action line, my friend? Enjoy fuckboy time. <laughs> beep, beep. <laughs> and for, Ch- <laughs> for Chad, for Brian, for myself, I'd like to thank everybody who goes out there, rates and res- subscribes and does everything. Our Patreon patrons, we love you so much. Uh, my name is Jake, reminding you to go out there and do something you love. And remember that all work and no power play makes Jack a dull boy. First and foremost, I would like to say thank you to Brian, my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, for editing this episode so that I could enjoy my time in Utah, where I was frozen indoors and had to, at one point, abandon my car and punch ice to escape with my very life. Now, for those of you who know me, I'm a bit of a proud man. Not a proud boy. Those people are weird. Proud man. And it shames me very greatly to admit that I thought I had already featured this band on the hidden tracks. That's how often I listen to Bone Church on Spotify that I just was convinced and I had to go through all of our old episodes and convince myself the the truth. I haven't actually featured them and to that I am so sorry. Now, Dan, one of the members of the band, he also features a movie podcast called the Movie Snack Podcast, which is a great premise. They pair up snacks for your movie with the movie. It's great analysis. Honestly, I'm a huge fan. Both he and Mike do a great job, but let's focus on the music here. This song is Pale Moon Sacrifice by Bone Church. Now there's another band called Bone Church, but this is this is the legit Bone Church. This is if you're going to be bone in a church, this is the one you want to be doing it with. And if you'd like to see them live, they're going to be playing at Kodo on January 3rd. And that's in Salem, Massachusetts. If you would like to find them on Bandcamp, it's bonechurch1.bandcamp.com. I would very highly recommend these guys. They're super cool as people and as musicians. I mean, it's super sultry, savory, and seductive. And if you're stuck in traffic or if you're pleasuring yourself, you could do a hell of a lot worse than listening to Bone Church while jerking your gherkin. Anyway, this is Bone Church with their song Pale Moon Sacrifice. We'll yeah.